Hi, and welcome to The Palette, the podcast about language learning and teacher training. My name's Becky, and today I'm talking with Delta trainer Nick Witherick about Delta Module 3. Hi, and welcome back to The Palette. My name is Becky, and we are continuing our Delta series today. Today, we're looking at Module 3. We've already taken an overview of the Delta, looked at Module 1, and looked at Module 2 in detail. So make sure you go back and listen to those if you've missed them. Today, I'm here again with Delta trainer and expert, Nick Witherick, who's going to talk us through Module 3 in depth. So how are you doing, Nick? Yes, I'm good, thanks. How are you, Becky? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Fantastic. So let's get straight into it. Um, So, Module 3. I understand it's the extended essay. Can you tell me a bit more about it? Yes, that's correct. So it's an extended assignment of between 4,000 and 4,500 words on a specialism of your choice. Um, However, there are two options. There's option one, um, and this is what most people do, and it's called the Extending Practice and ELT Specialism. And option two is English Language Teaching Management, or ELTM. Um, Taking Module 3 is obviously part of getting the full Delta qualification, um, but it's also for people who want to show expertise in a specific area or areas um, and potentially make themselves more attractive to employers when applying for certain jobs. Um, For example, if you're applying for a younger learner coordinator role in a school, um, having the YL YL specialism will obviously stand you in good stead. Okay, makes sense. So let's look at both options separately. Let's start with option one. What kind of things can you specialise in? Yeah, so there's an approved list of about a dozen specialisms. Uh, The most commonly chosen ones are things like business English, teaching younger learners English for specific purposes, English English for academic purposes, teaching examination classes, and also teaching monolingual learners. Um, The more niche ones are things like teaching ESOL learners with literacy needs, um, teaching in a non-English speaking or an English speaking environment, um, teaching learners online or through distance or blended learning, and also teaching one-to-one. Okay, wow. So there's lots of options then. Yes, plenty of options. You should be able to find something that appeals and fits in with your experience. As I said in the Module 2 podcast, when choosing a focus for LSAs, you start with an area in this case, a specialism, but you need to narrow it down. So, for example, ESP or English for specific purposes may be narrowed down to, I don't know, teaching communication skills to doctors working in a general hospital. Um, Teaching young learners can be narrowed down to designing course programs for 11 to 12-year-old learners in Poland. Uh, Teaching monolingual learners can be linked to a specific context, for example, teaching monolingual learners in Spain. Okay, so we're really drilling down into something specific then. So can you give us an idea of what is basically involved in the writing process? Yes, so the extended assignment is basically about you carrying out an independent investigation which leads you to designing a course programme related to that specialist area. It's important to say that you don't actually need to implement your course proposal. It's theoretical, um, but it should be based on real learners. Okay, yeah, so I've heard this before. So you don't have to be teaching to do Module 3? Correct, but you need access to real learners. So it's obviously easier if you're working. 
Um, even if you're not teaching the type of class you need for the assignment, the school may be running these classes, so it should be easier for you to get access, get the access you need. Um, it's usually just a couple of visits to observe the learners and conduct a needs analysis. Um, however, there are other options. For example, you could borrow a class from a colleague. Okay, and is it similar to module one in that you can enter twice a year in June and in December? Yes, so submission is through an official centre and the deadline is the, the first week of those two months, so yeah, June and December. Um, you submit two documents, and the course proposal goes in the first document, as does the needs analysis and test results. Um, the second um, document is for things like completed samples of needs analyses, tests, sample materials, course evaluation materials, sample draft assessments, that kind of thing. Okay, so how is the actual essay structured? Yeah, so there are five parts. The first is the introduction, review and key issues section and is about 1,100 words long. It's reviewing the relevant literature and exploring some of the main areas of debate within your chosen specialism. Um, so it's a broad look at the, spe at the specialism. Then in part two, which is the needs analysis and commentary section, you need to explain how you identified the needs of your chosen group of learners and explore the role of diagnostic tests in establishing learning priorities. Uh, this is about 900 words. Um, then part three is the course proposal itself, which is about 1,100 words, and you have to design a course of at least 20 hours, providing a rationale for its design goals, teaching approach. Part four is the assessment proposal, so you can explain how the course will be assessed and evaluated. This is about a thousand words. And the final part is the conclusion in which you outline how the proposed course design relates to the issues identified in the introduction. Okay, and could you just reiterate for us what those main areas of research are? Sure, so the areas you learn about on module three firstly relate to your chosen specialism, um, but there's also reading on approaches to needs analyses, reading on curriculum and syllabus design principles, and different types of syllabus. Um, there's also course design and evaluation reading and also reading on the assessment of learners. Right, and, and how is it marked? Yes, yeah, so there are five categories. Um, there's grasp of topic, needs analysis and commentary, course proposal, assessment and presentation and organisation, all with varying numbers of marks and you get a total out of 140. You need around 80 to pass, about 100 for a merit and 120 for a distinction. Okay, and I mean, it's always useful to know what happens if you get fewer than 80 marks? Yes, so you don't fail as such, you're referred. Um, you can request a Cambridge report to give you guidance on the parts you need to improve and you get another opportunity to submit the same assignment. Um, if that doesn't go well, you have to do a whole new assignment. Okay, and one more thing that I uh, forgot to ask is how strict are Cambridge about these word counts? Yes, yeah, strict. Um, and they're also strict about plagiarism and everything is checked. Okay, so presumably most Module 3 courses are taken online, is that true? 
Yes, I think like module one, it lends itself to online study. The Distance Delta does a 13-week course in which you're guided through the different parts of the assignment. You submit drafts and get feedback on these. Um, this culminates in you getting feedback on a draft, a whole draft essay, um, before you submit the final version to Cambridge. Um, there is also provision for face-to-face -face tutorials, um, but most of the feedback you get is written. Okay. So now let's flip over to option two, the ELTM alternative. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yes, so the starting point here is also choosing a specialism. In this case, there are four. There's academic management, human resource management, customer service and marketing. All options revolve around an LTO. So that's a language teaching organisation and identifying specific issues and proposing a change to remedy them. Um, so within the chosen ELT management specialism, you first consider the specialism area in general. Um, you discuss its key features and around five issues related to it. For example, um, in academic management, this could be something related to staff development, um, the curriculum, teaching resources, that kind of thing. Um, you then do a situational analysis on your teaching organisation using appropriate methods such as SWOT analysis, a focus group, questionnaires. And in this way, you determine what the issues are. From the data that emerges from your analysis, you decide priorities for a change proposal for the organisation, which would address the key issues and you justify it by showing how the organisation would benefit. So you design an implementation plan for your change proposal and provide a rationale for how you would implement it. Right, so option two is covering a completely different area of ELT then, which is interesting. Um, I mean, what do you gain from it uh, and what areas do you research? Yeah, so it's focused on educational management rather than teaching. Um, the areas you research and study on a dedicated course uh, involve exploring your chosen specialism in depth, um, different analytical tools for understanding your organisation, its culture and its needs, um, the stuff on strategic management and also change management theory. Um, it's geared to those who are already in a management role or thinking of going into one. I mean, often teachers end up in educational management without any training. So studying this qualification can provide you with very useful support and guidance. Mm, absolutely. And is the essay format and marking similar to that of option one or is it different? Yes, I mean, it's the same number of words and there are also five sections with similar word counts. Um, I mean, part one is the introduction, review and key issues of your chosen specialism. Part two is situation analysis and commentary. Part three, proposal and justification. Part four, implementation and part five, conclusion. Um, again, marking is out of 140 marks, 80 being a pass and there are five different assessment categories. Okay, so with option one, you said that candidates don't necessarily need to be teaching to do it. What's the situation with option two, as presumably you need access to quite different information for that one? Yeah, exactly. So if you select the ELTM option, regardless of the specialism, you need to have proper access to an LTO. By that, I mean you need to consider how you will get access to the data and information you need for your proposal. For example, if you're dealing with customer service management, you'll probably need to have access to customer feedback data, material which might be commercially sensitive. 
Um, but you anonymize the name of your LTA to preserve confidentiality. It's a similar thing with other specialisms. I mean, consider how sensitive a lot of HR information is, you know, information potentially about your colleagues. Um, for that reason, you make sure your LTO is on board and knows exactly what you need access to. I mean, as it is anonymous, they shouldn't have any concerns, but they do need to let you have access. That's the key thing. Mm. That makes absolute sense. Um, so do you need to narrow it down in the same way as you do for option one? Yes, you narrow it down in your change proposal. For example, um, staff development within the human resources management specialism or introducing a new course within the academic management specialism. Okay, fantastic. That was very in-depth. That's all of my questions regarding module three. Uh, really, really interesting. It's definitely answered a lot for me and hopefully it has for our listeners too. So thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Nick, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you, Becky. See you soon. Bye. Thanks so much. See ya. Bye.